0: this is the how to become a career coach podcast the largest podcast for up-and-coming career coaches in the world and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach i'm your host philip mianko and in this show we bring practical advice based on real experiences and we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So, let's get started. It would be great if building a business was easy, but entrepreneurship does have its many struggles. But what if you could strategically choose your struggles? Chris Villanueva joins me today to share how he learned how to choose his own struggles, which actually was the best thing for his business. Chris started a resume writing company called Let's Eat Grandma, which is a very interesting and non-traditional name. He is also the host of his very own show called The Career Warrior Podcast. Listen to this conversation and you can hear how Chris made the leap into entrepreneurship, how he strategically layered in his own successes, which you can do as well, and you can then begin to listen to where the opportunities are.
1: I am a founder of a resume writing company. And the name of that company is Let's Eat Grandma. Yes, there is a comma in there because we don't want to eat our grandmothers. (laughs) And I founded this company about five or six years ago with the dream and hope of helping job seekers to move into the next stage of their careers. It's evolved to many things. i always like to consider us still in the startup stage because I'm always innovating and trying to think of new ways to get better and improve. And no, I'm not just paying lip service. I really do consider myself a startup founder, really at the core. But that's really my mission is to really help as many of these job seekers as I can.
0: And this is the company that I'm leading. That's awesome. And I know you talked about this before, but I want to dive into the let's eat grandma. What made you name your company that but I know you have told stories around this. So tell us a little bit more about the name of your company. And what made you choose
1: that? So it's actually really counterintuitive because every single business book will tell you to make sure that your name makes sense or that your name <laughs> that talks about the, the the business itself. So I was looking at all of the other names for resume services out there. So things like, you know, top resume, of course, best resumes, you know, resume planet. And I was thinking, you know, of course, I was 90% sure I was going to have the word resume in the name. But this counterintuitive thought popped in my head as I was just sitting in a hotel room in New York City. And I thought, what if I just completely went against that and named it something that I just found to be funny, which is the joke, let's eat grandma, which basically says that if you take the comma out of let's eat grandma, you're saying you want to eat your grandmother and we don't want to do that. So I've always found myself to be very attention to detail Kind of oriented, and I thought that it did speak to our brand and the fact that we didn't take ourselves too seriously, <laughs> and we also pay attention to small things like commas when it mm-hmm. comes to resume writing. And so the idea just kept popping, like evolving in my head. And I was like, you know what? That's a better idea than I thought it was yesterday. And I get falling in love with it more and more until we decided to take the leap to starting an LLC that was literally called Let's Eat Grandma LLC. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the result has been. We'll get reactions from everywhere, from people being amused to yeah. people being confused. But the commonality is people always react to our name and people always remember our business because of it.
0: That is a great thing to have initially with people. But I imagine when you were like putting in your all your LLC paperwork, the person was like, let's see, what the hell? What kind of business is They'll this? They'll get those reactions. Absolutely. That's That's hilarious. <laughs> So, I mean, it's interesting too, because, you know, for all intents and purposes on this show, I've brought in a lot of, for our listeners, people who have started career coaching businesses and more of the coaching aspect, but a lot of your background comes from the resume writing space. So I wanted to have our listeners come in and like hear that there's multiple ways to impact people's careers that just only isn't one-on-one coaching or group coaching. So right. But before getting into those types of things, or, or maybe as we get into it, you mentioned on you know, taking the leap, putting the LLC in it and making that decision. So I guess for you, what prompted you to make the decision in starting your own business?
1: That's an excellent question. I've, for me, I've known ever since I was a kid that I wanted to start a business. I've known it from just the absolute This is gonna sound like one of those cliche stories, but it's so freaking true. So the whole lemonade stand, I couldn't wait to start my own lemonade stand, or actually it was a Coke stand. So I sold Coca-Cola on the side of my neighborhood street. I think I sold like 50 cents worth of Coke. It was actually pretty pitiful. But nevertheless, I loved doing it and that's always been who I was as a person. You know, I wanted to start little, you know, band performances for my friends and invite people over and streams of charging people for things like that. And so I've always known that like I love the idea of creating something, struggling through it and watching it come to fruition eventually. And that's always been a part of who I am. So I don't in that respect I think it's important to look at kind of that inner drive and that inner desire. But you know eventually I did end up making the leap to start my own LLC when I realized that there was this whole entire online world that just made things possible to get a domain name registered to go to what is it like NOLO.com or LegalZoom mm-hmm. and actually get those papers taken care of. And I realized the possibility, I think when I was in college, and I don't know what it was, I think we had a guest lecturer come in during one of our classes and basically said like, the time is now to start your business. Don't wait five years from now to make it happen. If you really want it to happen, don't wait. And so I think it was the next month I ended up, you know, writing the operating agreement, which is nowhere close to what it is today. But just getting something together and filing with NOLO.com and then getting the business going. So that's the story. Long story short, but knowing that I've wanted to do it kind of in my heart for a long time and then just saying, okay, it's just time to do it.
0: It's interesting too, because like for many people that I talk to on this podcast, but for a lot of our listeners too, they seem to have the questions about like, what if I fail? What if it doesn't go right? When I started my business, I had the whole hobo, I call it hobo on the street mentality of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start this thing. And then one thing leads to another, I fail, I fall on my ass, and then I'm a hobo on the street. And it Mm. seems like for you, none of those things ever happened. It seems like, and you could definitely let me know if I'm right or wrong, but it seems like from your story, you're like, hey, this has just been part of my blood and part of what I've been doing for quite some time. And it was just at some point or another, whether whatever I was creating and seeing those things come to fruition, this is just the thing that is one of the things that is right now. Is that true? Or did you ever have any thoughts of like, oh my gosh, what if this fails? And how did you go through those? Have those
1: thoughts, still have those thoughts this day. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not always 100% confident, you know, and I think that's just the reality. You know, I think anyone who is 100% confident in the way things are going to go in the future is probably delusional or just kidding themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to, you know, you have to act with confidence. You have to, You know, acquire it through experience. But, you know, most of all, you just have to struggle through it. And, you know, to talk to the hobo on the street thing, I was a little bit more calculated when I started the business. So I started managing a restaurant around the same time that I started the company. So I had both things going on at the same time. Mm. You know, I really admire those people who are able to just completely take the leap of faith when they don't have any income and start their own business, or maybe they have investors or things like that. But, For me, you know, in my story, I was working for a restaurant at the time. And on top of that, I was doing whatever I could whenever my shifts were over to make sure that the business was maintained and continued to grow. And then when I saw the breaking point, like a moment when I knew we were getting enough sales per week, that I could struggle my way through it, I ended up making that leap eventually. once we did reach that level. But even after that, it wasn't smooth sailing. So that's just one part of the story.
0: Just for context too, what what was that time period? For a lot of our people, they're like, well, is that going to be six months? Is that going to be a year? From when you were doing the, from the restaurant side to the sales of your current business, like how long of a period was that yeah. to, to turn things over? Well, for me, it was
1: almost two years. So it was a year and a half that I made the leap. Uh, but a caveat to that, it's going to be different for each person. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe it took me a long time to ramp up to that stage because... I didn't have any investors, still don't, but I, you know, and perhaps I could have done things better to ramp up faster because I was even younger than I am today. So a lot of things came with experience. But also the second thing that to factor in is comfort level. So like what, for me, a big question that I asked myself was what income level do I feel comfortable in taking Because I ended up taking a big, big pay cut (laughs) around that time that I made that leap. And then what am I willing to really live off of in order to make that leap? So Mm -hmm. that for me, those decisions went in my mind when I decided to make that full transition to full-time entrepreneurship.
0: I think those are super, super powerful questions. And like you mentioned, how it was calculated. I think for a lot of our listeners, that question in there of like, what am I willing to live off of? Or at least what am I willing to make at a certain time to make sure this business succeeds? And I think that's a question that most people don't know or are afraid to ask in many ways, mostly because it comes from a place of like, what do I I have to give up or what do I need to do differently? So part of my question there too is for people who might be in that stage, right, where they are having a full-time business and they're looking to start things something on the side and kind of do a little bit what what you did, what advice would you have for those people? Or what do you feel like worked in your situation to eventually make that switch? That's a
1: good question. I got very clear about the pain that I was having, I think, at the time. So I got very clear about the fact that I wasn't fully fulfilled doing what I was previously doing. Mm. And I got very clear on that. I think that took a lot of silence and meditation, as I like to say it, um, just to really understand that You know, I wasn't happy necessarily. Like I was happy. I'm not going to say that things weren't good, but I thought about what if I put all my time and all my attention towards this business, which I'm three times more engaged with, you know, what could happen if I did end up doing that? And so I think for me, that really was the push that ended up giving me the motivation to actually making it happen in the first place. Mm. And then, of course, getting really, it's kind of cool when you get out that Excel spreadsheet and then type in how much you can really live off of. And you really, you're like, okay, I can cut all this stuff out, you know, temporarily. And then you say, okay, I really don't need that much to live on, you know, at least for now until I can ramp things up eventually. And so that was really freeing because I realized for me that I would much rather have the pleasure of doing a job that's more fulfilling for me and take the pay cut in the hopes that it will eventually increase back up to into another level. Hmm. So I think those two things specifically, I mean, to boil down your question, really, it's clarity is the answer.
0: Yeah, but I, that really helped me make the move. So speaking about like clarity and going back to the beginning stages, and I've, I've heard you talk about this before in, in other interviews and in places, but what made you choose Resume writing, but kind of even on a bigger picture, what made you choose kind of this career space?
1: Yeah, definitely. A little background about me when I was actually in college, that was business communication was probably the one thing I really excelled in. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't do good in scientific type things, but communication I liked. And I worked in our communication center helping people with their documents. Uh, It included resumes, cover letters, and things like that. And so my idea behind the business was to start, you know, to basically take that experience and create it online. So I was going to help people with their documents whether it was resumes or business memos or letters or academic, you know, assistance and things like that and apply it online. So the whole resume thing, if you look at where I am at with a career space and things like that, that came from knowing that there was a truly big market need specifically for resumes. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something that took me Like six months to discover. It wasn't just like, oh, let me just go into the resume space. Let me just get more niche into the resume space. It was a discovery that I put myself out there, I think, on Fiverr.com for just help with writing papers and things like that. And the requests that i got over and over and over again like 90% more than all the other requests were resume related so i looked really closely at the market need and didn't really try to force myself into delivering a product that people didn't want at least that was my thinking and then realized that people were able were willing and able to pay more for resume services than you know most of other things
0: it's interesting too i mean and correct me if i'm wrong but you started this business with your brother that's correct yeah Which is awesome. One question there, then I'm going to go back to that. But what's it like starting a business with your brother? Oh, it's awesome. And I don't even know if he's going
1: to listen to this recording. So I'll (laughs) I'll speak my truth here. I love it, man. It's we can be very open and honest with each other without, you know, being worrying about, you know, the corporate correctness that you have to give, you know, because you don't want to step on people's feelings. But my brother, I mean, we've we've known each other for what is like 28 years now. So (laughs) I, I'm really, um, I thought it was really awesome and really freeing that we were able to have that sort of relationship. But it's not easy. And it's really like, I can only speak for myself. And I know it's not for everyone. Because some people if they're in the room in their room with their brother for more than an hour, they'll go crazy. But you know, my brother and I were The dynamic we have going, I've always seen him as really kind of like a partner in crime in many ways. So I was like, why don't I just apply this to the business that I care about and welcome him into this journey at that time? Yeah, I think we've been doing this full time, I think for he's been full time, I think for like three years. So we've been together in the business for about five years, and then full time, I'd say for about two and a half years. So that's a lot of in-person time together and yeah, a lot of fun.
0: I know for maybe, maybe our listeners know, maybe know this. I come from a family business background. And so I'm very, very used to working with my family, not my coaching business that I work with, uh-huh. a, twin, a twin brother. We're, for a lot of our listeners, I might've said this before, we're like Bert and Ernie. I'm Bert, I'm the clean one. He's Ernie, he's the messy <laughs> one. But Love it. I think it speaks to the importance of having a trusted team around you, or at least people that you can talk to because very much in this whole journey in entrepreneurship, it can be quite lonely. Or in many ways, you just feel like you just don't have your ideas or not. You have to talk up your ideas with, with lots of people. So I think in this space, it's like having somebody like your brother or mastermind groups or somebody who's trusted that can kind of be that other person, that sounding board, so to speak. And it seems like for you, but just like one of the things that I am seeing through lines in is how starting the business, how bringing in your brother, how like going on Fiverr and saying, all right, here's the thing I enjoy, but where is everything coming from? Is very much the same thing that when I brought Scott on the podcast and mm-hmm. for a lot of people who are founders is that they see they're very strategic and that they look where the opportunities are and they... Invite those types of things in, whether they might be challenging or risk or whatever those might be. But one of the biggest things I'm taking away from you is that ability to think very strategically. And I think for our listeners, I think that's a huge takeaway. So kind of some compliments and some Thank stuff you. in there. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it means a lot. Yeah. So I guess for you too, when you, I guess a lot of our listeners know too that this is rapidly becoming one of my favorite questions. And I had a challenge back from a previous guest, but the question is, is like you know, what were some of the biggest challenges in starting your own business? But more specifically, what are some of the things that you've had to sacrifice? Or, yeah, I guess, I guess sacrifice in starting your own business.
1: I'm an overwhelmingly positive person. So let me just start off by saying that I wouldn't be here today if the freedom in entrepreneurship wasn't this huge major plus for me. Mm -hmm. That for me was kind of the my, you know, the thing that made all of this what I'm about to say worth it. So just the complete freedom, but I will go back and say that the having to deal with finances are is probably one of the hardest things that I had to do at least to become an entrepreneur. I think at least in the very beginning. So again, was not didn't take a single dollar of like investor series money, seed money, whatever like that. So you literally have to make it out on your own. You have to like worry if you're even able to pay, you know, your rent and in groceries and things like that because you don't have that stable paycheck that you had the month before when you quit. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was the biggest sacrifice that I had to make and just to be able to have to deal with that worry, I think. Additionally, it caused like, it's a lot of stress that I think is caused by those sort of financial things, but stress that's caused by every other thing that you're having to learn as to be an entrepreneur, you know, such as, getting all your taxes and accounting right perfectly in order because you're the business owner and you have to do that to dealing with attorneys to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row Mm -hmm. to doing things that you really don't want to do, at least initially in the beginning, because you don't have those people to hire. So I think the beginning stage can be really, really tough when you're doing that. So I don't know if that last part answers about sacrificing, but I think I'll keep going back to the money situation, having to have that really handled and taken care of and taking that pay cut, I think was was tough.
0: But from what I'm hearing you say, it goes back to a lot of the strategic types of things. But. Like having that foresight to know, hey, here, if I'm going to be doing this, one of our guests, she used the word trade off. Like, if I'm yeah. going to do this, then I'm going to trade off this. If we're going to go towards this this entrepreneur route, then some things like, hey, the next paycheck that's going to be yeah. coming in at this amount, then we're going to be giving that sense of security up, which is what everybody yes. knows. But when it comes down to it of like what are the what's the what are the mindset pieces? What are the things you need to be thinking about as far as like you mentioned, you know, lawyers, you mentioned like all those types of things. What are these things we need to be thinking about now as potential or future business owners? And for a lot of our listeners, you know, I talk about this a bunch where we separate those two things. There's business owners, then there's like the coaches aspect, right? There's the yeah, part where you're doing yeah. those businesses. And those can be two different ways of thinking. And I think be able to be a really savvy business owner allows you to have the freedom and flexibility to work with who you want and when you want to work with them. And that mm-hmm. allows you to grow the, the business in a way that, that you want to do, which is what, like we talked before we hit record, is something that you're doing right now, which is freaking awesome. So <laughs> speak to us a little bit, or I guess help us a little understand about this growth period and some of the challenges that you're seeing there, or even going on the positive aspects, some of the cool things about it too, the opportunities that it's allowing you to do. Once again, I'll keep putting caveats
1: here because I don't want everyone to think that my situation is going to be theirs. But I think people mm-hmm. understand that. Mm-hmm. You may see some truth in what I went through compared to what you were going through as the listener or entrepreneur. But for me, I did everything kind of from the ground up, including I wrote the resumes. I was writing all the resumes really for our company in the beginning stages. You know, I had some help, You know, people who I trusted who did a good job. But I had all of the hats fill up and I'm telling you like all the hats. So I had I had to be a resume writer, I had to supervise, I've had to do, you know, payouts, I've had to do the marketing, I've had to do the sales. And when you're smaller, you can definitely handle that kind of stuff. For me, I really enjoyed struggling through it because for me, as I was able to scale and hire people underneath me or even have contractors work with me, it really taught me a crap ton of empathy. Mm -hmm. Like it taught me a lot of how these people would perceive the tasks that I would be assigning them later on for instance, I know around how long it takes to write a resume and how long to write our packages, it makes you a lot more able to connect with the people that you're eventually going to be hiring to take your place. I think for me, that really worked nicely. I'm still working on being able to delegate and let go of things and, mm. and to not be this control freak perfectionist. And I'm really not, but it's still something that we have to let go of as business owners is, is handling every single thing, especially as you scale in volume. But I think, yeah, I think that for me was probably one of the most helpful things and and seriously not I just keep going back to it not taking a bunch of someone else's investor money and just spending it very quickly just because Mm. that happens a lot in this world like where people just take that seed money or whatever and spend it and I literally had to struggle through every single penny that we earned and try try to make the ROI come from it because it was so little in the beginning. I really like that route and if I could go back in time I don't think I would change it the whole slow bootstrap your way, slowly roll journey, I think.
0: First of all, thank you for sharing that because I think that's really important as far as really what the growth looks like, but also that especially for people in now and maybe in the past too, that when you're in the stage of creating a, a business, lots of people are wanting to do this for many different reasons, but usually it's around creating the life that you want. And part of doing that is going through those struggles, but also defining it yeah. the way that you want to do it, kind of going through that period, yeah, it sounds like I agree with that point, but also is I guess what are some of the things that you learned or some takeaways in really having not taking seed money and going through that struggle back and forth? What are the decisions that kept you to be making it for on your own and, and for your own company
1: i 'll be honest i don 't really think I had much of a choice i didn 't have time or you know, much motivation to look you know, for investors. Actually, no, there were a couple of times where I actually applied to be a part of this accelerator, which I would have access to investors and failed, like I think twice in a row, they were just mm-hmm. like, "No, nah, we, we think your idea needs work. So I was like, you know, what? I'd rather just spend my time like learning, listening from customers anyway. So for me, it wasn't like this big, you know, conscious decision to like investor or no investor, you know, I've I've learned a lot from people who have gone that route and have chosen to do that. But yeah, for me, it just it just ended up being a natural progression that I really liked, which is like making our customers as a whole, my boss being the CEO of this company.
0: Just to make sure we pause and stop for a second, because I think you said something that was really, really important. You said it mm-hmm. twice. And it's what I often call mic drop moments in these in these podcast episodes. But you mentioned learn it. Yeah, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to be learning and listening from our customers and really be, my, the boss is going to be the customers itself. And I think so many times, people get into this business or these career businesses thinking like, all right, hey, here's, I know what's going to be best. I know all these types of things, but really it goes back to what are the people who you are looking to serve? What are the words they are saying? What are the actual struggles they are going through? Where are you helping them? And as far as they have a problem, they need a solution, where are you putting yourself in and how are you communicating what your benefits are to them? And it really comes from that aspect of listening. So first, yeah, I want to pause and acknowledge that because I think so many people want to move past that and do all like the fun, shiny object things. Like, hey, I've got this package over here that's nice, and I've named it something cool, and I've got this package over here, this name something cool. But it really comes back to: are we helping and serving the people that we're looking to help? So, yeah, thank you for sharing that.
1: For sure, yeah, thank you. I can't agree more with you. I think that's. I love the fact that like our customers are you know they're a big part of our process. You know, I've always aimed to be like. I think I want my differentiator and I've said it for a long time to be that we have the best customer service in the industry for resumes because there's just, you don't know what you're going to get half the time if you buy something online. So, you know, it's
0: a really important part of our, our philosophy. Mm. What do you think goes into that? Just as this is myself being curious, we often talk about, we want to have a white glove experience with our customers. So for you, what do you think goes into having really good customer service or just being kind of the best in the industry?
1: It's a good question. So I can give like the scientific breakdown. We can go totally nerdy here. like go through all of the steps. Yes. I asked a really good question. I think like just, well, listening is a huge, huge part of it. And I think like any book on relationships or business would tell you that like, how to win friends and influence people, like all that kind of stuff. And I agree wholeheartedly. I think listening to your customers and the problems that they tell you on the phone and being able to really respond to that, I think is a huge part of customer service. I think friendliness is huge. Like it's a tough thing to quantify, but how friendly you are. I'm biased, right? I'm from Texas. So we tend to be, take our time, you know, and you know, it is like, Mm -hmm. we tend to take our time a little bit more. But, you know, I think general friendliness does go into that. I think speed of service is also something really important to look at. I'm kind of kicking myself right now because we're a little bit backed up on orders right now because of the pandemic and things like that. And it's caused things to become a little bit slower, like our wait times increased. And that really puts this like really knot in my stomach and does not make me feel good because I know like mm. at my core that that customer service is incredibly important. I know it's something that we're actively working to fix on, fix now. So I think having that guidepost of solid white glove, sure, uh, customer service as mm. knowing that this is something that we're striving for allows you to realign yourself and really make yourself to know how to kind of propel your business forward.
0: It goes back to one of the things that I think you mentioned before, which is sometimes the elusive part for a lot of people, whether it's in their careers and lives or even starting a business is that clarity piece. And how do you want to start a business? What kind of business do you want to start? Yeah. And like, how are you serving those people? But how are you serving them on a day-to-day basis? And it's a struggle, right? Because we know the things that we could want to do, but There's many pieces in the way, or just the process, or whatever that might be, and eventually getting there. And that's kind of the growth piece that every entrepreneur, or even coach, or whatever, who are going through, because right in those beginning stages, there's probably a huge number of things you want to do on that list. But usually, most of the time, it's like focusing on one thing first, yes, thing, and then and layering everything on. And then, like I mentioned, the one thing I'm take away from your story, but the things that you share about just being strategic and like following where the, like, hey, where's the money coming from, from Fiverr? You're like, okay, it seems like it's coming more from here. And then also from the customer aspect and listening to customers. And then like the decision to bring in your brother and just all of these little decisions that maybe in the looking back were big decisions or small decisions, whatever, but those have such huge impacts moving forward. Absolutely.
1: I really felt that because I feel the same exact way. I think it was uh, Robin Sharma's 5 a.m. club had a whole chapter on what you just talked about. The fact that the best of the best, like these people realize it's, I think he calls it like day stacking, but you kind of improve things one day at a time, Mm -hmm. knowing that eventually that one day at a time is going to compound to something just absolutely insane and beautiful if you just keep up with it every single day. Mm So don't have to switch everything (laughs)
0: overnight, like seriously. On that note too, one thing that we haven't touched on that I wanted to touch on was that because I found you through your podcast, which is amazing, by the way, go subscribe if you haven't to the Career Warrior podcast. Anyways, but many of the coaches that I talked to who are looking to start this business in the career space, they often are wanting to do lots of different things. Like, I want to start a podcast. I want to have a newsletter. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's like kind of back to that same point of like focusing on one thing at a time. So yeah, for you, And creating this really great podcast, you have lots of guests on there. And it's really, it's just, yeah, no problem. It's it's an awesome podcast in this space. But um, do you think that kind of, that focus one bit at a time helped you grow and create that? Or what do you think is in there? I think not everything
1: is going to work. And I want to kind of speak to the fact that a lot of people want to do a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take it from someone who is that. I'm the embodiment of wanting to do everything because... I feel like if it helps a little bit, like why not do it? And I get excited about a lot of things. So we're even going through the struggle right now in deciding what it is that we want to take on. So, you know, yes, the podcast has been helpful. Yes, the podcast is one of my favorite things that I do for our business. But for me, I felt like the podcast was the right thing to do for me because I love audio more than video. So I'd rather just talk to Mike all day. And I've always been told I have this radio voice. And I'm like, heck yeah, now's the time to be on my own darn radio show. So for me, I felt like the podcast is something that I could fall in love with and and struggle through and care about. But at the same time, I would counterbalance that with, with choosing to actively work on, I would move that along to say, choose the things that help drive your business forward, like those top three things, and really dial down on those. Like just to give another real quick example and this is too real right now but you know we're looking at all of our different social media platforms that we're on right now and realizing that you know I'd rather I'd much rather be good at two or three social media platforms than mediocre at all of them so right now we're looking at like how can we really specialize and possibly even cut out some channels that we're just not really thriving in that are just time sucks that's probably one of the most important things that I have learned and still am continuing to learn Mm -hmm. is to really dial down on the things that are driving your business forward
0: and just don't do everything. You can't do everything. (laughs) You heard it here, folks. You cannot do everything. I've heard the same thing about like, oh, you have a really good radio voice. I'm like that. That's awesome. That same thought that I've had too. But, you know, as we're closing up, one of the last questions that I have for you is it's the clean slate question. Going back and just taking all the lessons that you have now, going back to the five, five or six years of starting at the beginning, knowing what you know now, what would you do or what you have done differently?
1: One that it would be probably my first time answering it. Wow. Oh, yeah? All right. All <laughs> yeah. right. Not back to when I was a baby, right? Back to <laughs> when I started the, the company, right? Okay. I mean,
0: okay. We could go back to the Coke stand.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just be more aggressive with your Coke selling, Chris.
0: To get some Diet Cokes in there, get some Coke zeros if they were at the time. <laughs> Listen to your customer. I
1: really do feel like all the struggles that I went through are ones that I would not want to get rid of and not kind of give advice because I w- would love to go back and like, even like the worrying about the money struggles and budgets and things like that. Like I would not change that because I think it has so much to do with where our business is now and where it's headed, things like that. You know, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't tell myself, don't do everything because, you know, I think it was a good lesson for me to realize that, yes, you can cut some things out. And then sometimes you have to try a bunch of things to realize that a lot of them don't work. Mm -hmm. But I think probably the thing that I would tell myself is to not really worry so much, to not really struggle and to realize that eventually it is going to be okay. Because a lot of the times you're questioning yourself, you're questioning your your confidence, you're questioning if your business is going to make it. But I would just say that, you know, as long as you persist month after month and deal and, and struggle with these challenges, you don't have to stress out too much about it. And I know we didn't go into it too much, but there was a lot of stress, a lot of ups and downs that think that naturally do come with being an entrepreneur. But I seriously would just tell myself, like, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. Just keep trying because it it does work out in the end you just got to really trust and really have faith in that whole process and and you know, i think if i were able to buy myself kind of some of that stress back i probably would have had a little bit more of a social life at certain points and just <laughs> would have been a little bit more you know kind of relaxed in certain situations but yeah i think
0: that's what it comes down to. Mm. Thank you for sharing that cuz i think it speaks a lot to just like i mentioned how you just have naturally thought about creating something of your own it seems like for pre coke stand or whenever that time was but It's interesting because I think, too, one of the biggest things I mentioned I was was picking up and takeaways from this conversation was about that strategic type of mindset. But what it also seems like, too, for you is that it seems like you are being very intentional about the struggle. And it seems like that struggle has so many, like it's densely packed with these lessons. And it seems like we're being really strategic with those lessons that we'd want to learn, or like strategic in picking those struggles. Because at the end of the day, that the struggles are what's going to make you a resilient business leader, whether we have another global pandemic or sure. through the yeah. ups and downs and, and things like that. But through each of these lessons, through the the tough times and the good times. And, like you mentioned, it's going to look different for everybody based yeah. on where you're coming from, where you're going to, the people you're looking to serve, all those types of things, but embracing those but embracing those and essentially just one foot forward and do the work yeah. and keep moving forward eventually, who knows when yeah, those fruitions will come into play. Can I riff off
1: that one more time yeah, go to ahead. get yeah. even more specific yeah go like ahead that's that's a great example is like the pandemic like in April, we saw our sales shoot down like it was. A scary thing. It was something that was a little bit alarming. But one reason I didn't freak out, like wholeheartedly is because it happened before, like several times with our business, like it, we saw those decreases, you know, come after a month. And then I realized I went through it, I just changed a few things, had a little bit of patience and made it through. I think knowing that and like being able to keep calm and continue to persist through it, that really helped me in April and having that experience. And now we're doing better than we ever have before and we're more consistent than we ever have been. So it really is true. And I'm really meaning what I say here.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. You are in Austin, the city that I love and used to be in. So please keep it safe. But thanks so much for coming on, sharing all your experiences and bringing us a little bit more into what it's like in starting this kind of business and all those pieces. But just before I let you go, where can people find you or get in contact with you?
1: Sure, yeah, I am on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn as a platform. I, I think it's my favorite, but I'm Chris Villanueva, CPRW, and our company is Let's Eat Grandma. So Let's Eat grandma.com.
0: Awesome. Well, Chris, again, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for coming on today. I greatly appreciate it. And for all of our listeners today, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you the next time. Thanks, Philip.
1: And thanks to your listeners. I wish them the best of luck.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.